0: Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. Whatever it is that binds you doesn't have to bind you any longer. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. Welcome back to the podcast. I trust you've had a blessed week. This is episode number 10 in the podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is going to be the last episode in the season. We're going to have seasons in this podcast, 10 episodes per season. And so this will be the 10th and final episode in season number one. You can look for the first episode in season two, the first Tuesday in June. My plans for Season 2 is to have some special guests on the podcast. We're going to be doing some interviews and talking to people who have overcome addictions in the past, who are walking in victory. We want to find out what's helped them, because what's helped them will probably help you and probably help me. It's really my prayer, my intent in doing this podcast, each one of these episodes, is that they'll help you. They'll give you some tools, encourage you in your faith, and just remind you there's hope that you can change. Don't give up. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, I want to encourage you to drop me an email at pastormike at obcbaptist.org, and you should be able to find that email address wherever you're listening to this podcast. I also want to let you know that we've begun a new Facebook page. It's called Casting Down Idols. It's going to be on that Facebook page. I'm going to be posting some assignments, so if I suggest that you do a certain assignment, you can go to that Facebook page, and hopefully we'll have a picture for you. We'll have an example of that assignment so you'll know what it looks like. And many times you'll be able to download those and print those off and actually work those out if you'd like to do that. Also, don't forget to share the podcast on social media, on your Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you prefer as far as your social media choice. And if you would, go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, leave us a positive review. That would help us get the word out and reach more people with the gospel. Now. Today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about something that we can all relate to, and that's temptation, how we can understand temptation, and more importantly, how we can overcome temptation. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ faced temptation as well. The writer of Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest, that's referring to Jesus. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. The writer of Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus Christ, our high priest, he was tempted just like we are. So when we face temptation, we've got a Savior, we've got a Lord who not only hears us, but a Lord who's experienced what we've experienced as far as temptation that we face. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself gives us the example as well as the tools whereby we can defeat the enemy and we can overcome temptation. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, I want to share this passage. This is the biblical account, according to the Gospel of Luke, of the temptation of Jesus. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem. The enemy, the devil, brought Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Now you have probably heard that passage before, but as Jesus faced the enemy, and he faced the monster of temptation out in the wilderness, And the enemy tempted him over and over and over again. I hope that you caught it in the verses I just read. The Lord responded each time, it is written, it is written, it has been said. Jesus Christ, our Lord, referred to the word of God. Let me tell you, there's power in the word of God. God's word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. In fact, it's by the hearing of God's word that you receive faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So each time that Jesus was tempted, he responded with the truth of the word of God. And that's how we must respond to temptation when it comes before us. That's the first step in defeating temptation. The word of God. Now, in order to quote the word of God and refer to the word of God, you've got to know the word of God. So I want to encourage you, make sure you're in a Bible preaching, Bible believing church. Make sure you have a regular time where you meet with the Lord in devotion to him, in engaging in the word of God, engaging with the Lord in prayer, talking to him, listening to him as he speaks to you through the pages of the Holy Bible. That's the only way you're going to come to know the word of God. So when you're faced with temptation, you're going to know how to respond based on what God says in the Bible. You know, this text given to us right here in Luke chapter 4 about Jesus' temptation reminds me of some very important truths that we need to keep in mind. The first one being, if Jesus was tempted, we can expect to be tempted as well. And I know it's not a pleasant experience to go through temptation, but I'm saying, my friend, when you put your faith in Christ and you stand on the authority of the Word of God, you can overcome the temptation no matter what it is. There's a wonderful promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 that says no temptation has laid hold on you that's not common to man but god will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be strong to bear up under it patiently that's first corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 that's a wonderful promise from god that you need to write on your heart that's a good verse to memorize and so when you're faced with whatever temptation it may be You can stand on that truth and you can tell yourself, you know, God says he's going to make a way of escape. God says he's going to give me the strength to bear up under this temptation victoriously. I can overcome. So don't be surprised when temptation comes your way. You know, maybe right now you're doing real good. Maybe right now it's been a long time. You've been walking in holiness and you've been sober and you've been clean for an extended period of time. Don't get puffed up. Don't get prideful. Don't begin to think, oh, I've got this thing whooped. Let down your guard because that's exactly when the enemy is going to attack you. Since Jesus Christ was tempted, we need to understand and realize we're going to be tempted too. And if you're not being tempted right now, well, my friend, it's probably right around the corner. And so you need to be prepared for that temptation when it comes. Write the word of God on your heart. Memorize it. Put it to memory. Promises like that, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, and make sure you're ready when the enemy comes to fight, that you're equipped with the word of God. There's power in the word. And something else here, when the Lord defeated the enemy and overcame each temptation, you know Jesus is without sin, so he never gave in to a temptation, he never committed a sin. But in this passage that we just read in Luke chapter 4, he was certainly tempted to fall into sin, but he resisted every single time. And that verse 13 that I read, it says, now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Jesus defeated the enemy here, and he always defeated the enemy, but the enemy didn't leave him for good. The enemy left him and the enemy was going to return at a more opportune time. And so this is the temptation that we read recorded in scripture of how Jesus was tempted by the devil. But no doubt there were many other times not recorded in Scripture where the Lord was tempted. You know, one thing I do know, he overcame every single one of those temptations. The power that was in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that same power is in you. And it's in me. We've got to make a conscious choice every day. I'm going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to know what the Word says. So I'm equipped when the enemy comes against me to tempt me and to pull me astray. I'm going to have my battle armor on. I'm going to have my gospel gun loaded, and I'm going to be ready to respond with the truth of the word of God. Indeed, my friend, it's the truth of the word of God that's going to set you free. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, and I'm going to begin to read in verse 9. He says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word, talking about God's word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments, O God. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. There's power to overcome temptation and that power is found recorded in the word of God and through the ministry of the precious Holy Spirit of God. You know what really matters is what God says. It's not what I say. It's not what the world says. It's not even what you say. It's what God says that's most important. There's a common phrase that's used in the addiction world and in addiction recovery many times. It's the term relapse. So that means to go back and use. That means to go back to the old habitual lifestyle, whatever it was that controlled you. Well, the power to overcome relapses is what God says in his word. Again, there's power in the word. In Psalm 119, in those verses I just read, it says, How how can a young man cleanse his way? Well, it's by taking heed to God's word. That's how you can be pure. That's how you can be sober. That's how you can get the strength every day to live clean, to break away from your addiction by knowing what God says. Now, I want to give you a list of things that will help you in resisting the enemy and overcoming temptation. Okay, you ready for this? I'm going to be reading from First Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and my focus is going to be verses 12 through 33. I'll also try to post this list on the Facebook page, Casting Down Idols, and so you can access it there. These things I'm getting ready to point out to you, they're going to be listed there for you, so you can go back later and print those out, read those. I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and it says in verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now, I'm going to pause right there. Here's my very first point I want to say you need to make sure you understand when you get to a place where you think you're standing firm and that you've got this thing beat, be careful that you don't fall. Don't allow your ego and your pride and thinking that by your effort, you've got this thing licked and now you're living in victory. Don't let your guard down. If you think you've got it made and you've got it behind you, And no more temptation is going to come your way. You're setting yourself up for a fall. And so as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, he says, if you think that you stand, take heed. Be careful. Don't let your guard down because you can fall. Now the very next verse, verse 13 is the promise I just quoted moments ago. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, here's my second point. Your trial is not unique. Your temptation, whatever you're facing, it's not unique. Verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. You know what the enemy wants to do so many times? When we're tempted, and especially when we fall into temptation and it becomes sin in our lives, uh, we begin to think to ourselves ourselves. I'm the only one who struggles with this. Something must be wrong with me. Nobody else is tempted like I'm tempted. Nobody else seems to struggle like I struggle. I'm all by myself in this temptation. Nobody understands. No, not according to what God says right here in verse 13. He says, there's no temptation that's laid hold on you that's not common to man. It was Solomon, who's known as the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. It was King Solomon who said, there's nothing new. Nothing new under the sun. I had a seminary professor one time who uh, told us that if it's new, it's probably not true. And if it's true, it's probably not new. There is really no new temptations. The enemy comes at us in different ways, like the Internet, for example. But the root sins, the root temptations associated with the Internet have been around since the very beginning. See, so you're not alone. Whatever it is you struggle with, whatever the temptation is that you face over and over and over again, whatever sin seems to have a such a tight grip on your life, you're not the only one. Number one, just remember, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Number two, remember in your temptation, you're not the only one. Your trial is not unique. Now, number three, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. Now, there's a wonderful promise right there. God's going to give you everything you need to be faithful, to be godly, to overcome the temptation before you. You know, it's not a sin to be tempted. A lot of times we just feel so guilty because we're tempted to do wrong. It's not a sin to be tempted. It becomes a sin when you give in to the temptation and you know you've done or you've thought a fault, performed an action, said a word spoke to someone, had an attitude that was ungodly, not pleasing to God. When you give in to the temptation, that's when it becomes sin. But we're all tempted. But God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. He's going to make a way of escape. You know, I can't help but think about young Joseph when Potiphar's wife made the moves on him. Uh, She wanted Joseph to sleep with her. Her husband was away. And Joseph, being the man of God that he was, he just shot through the door. He just took off running left his garment, his coat of many colors, in the hand of Potiphar's wife, and he just got away from there as fast as he could. You know, sometimes in facing temptation, that's the best line of defense is to get away from there, to get out of there as fast as you can. But this verse and this promise right here in verse 13 not only says that God is going to make a way of escape, but it also says that he is going to give me all that I need to bear up under it patiently. So if I can't get out of the way, if I can't get out of there, God's going to give me the strength I need to do the right thing, to respond in a godly way to defeat the enemy. And so number three, God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear now number four god will prepare a way for you to withstand the test and as a christian as a born-again believer when temptation comes your way you need to look at it as a test you're not set up facing this temptation to cause you to fall god wants you to become stronger by resisting the enemy and being victorious through the temptation and also when you're faced with temptation don't get down on yourself because Jesus was faced with temptation. And so when you're tempted and I'm, t- I'm tempted, we're being just like Jesus because he was tempted too. But God will always, for his children, God will always provide what's needed for you to withstand and for you to be victorious. We see it right here in this text. Now the Apostle Paul continues here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to pick up in the very next verse, verse 14, and he says, Therefore, my beloved, Flee from idolatry. Friend, let me just remind you, that's what addiction is. It's an idol. It becomes a false god in your life and you begin to be controlled by it. Instead of being controlled by the one true God, the God who created you to bring him honor and to bring him glory. Now, Paul goes on. I'm going to drop down to verse 22. And Paul says in verse 22, or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Now, here's point number five. Point number five, this will help you. Just remember this. Just because I can do something doesn't mean that I should. That's what Paul was saying here when he says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. And I'm going to use alcohol as an example here. Just because biblically... There's nothing wrong with me having a glass of wine. There's no verse in the Bible I can point to and it says thou shalt not have a mixed drink. But just because I can do it and I'm not directly violating the word of God doesn't mean that I should do it. You will never take the second drink if you stay away from the first drink. And I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to lead people down a road that's going to be a road of destruction and addiction for them. And so just because maybe I can Have a drink doesn't mean that I should have a drink. The motivating factor in my life should be if I do this, is this going to help me bring honor and glory to God? And if it doesn't, I need to ask myself if I do this thing I'm contemplating and thinking about, does it have the power to cause me to fall and to fall into sin? So number five, just because I can doesn't mean I should. Now number six, focus on others, focus on others. Paul says in verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Don't be so self-focused. Don't be caught up in your own world. I'm saying you need to look out beyond yourself. You need to understand the most important thing to Jesus is people. I've been practicing a pattern lately that every day when I get up, I begin with the attitude, Lord, help me today be a blessing to somebody. I want to go out of my way today to encourage somebody, to strengthen somebody, to bless somebody. I don't want to be just focused on myself. And it is so often the case, when you reach out to bless somebody else, you end up with a blessing yourself. I remember a dear elderly lady years ago in a nursing home ministry we were involved in, and every time we'd go into this certain nursing home and we'd have our service, she would always stand up and she would always say the same thing. She'd say, if you bless God, God will bless you. Every time that we join together, and I'm sure that dear sister has long gone to be with the Lord, But that is so true what she would say. If you seek to bless the Lord, you're going to get a blessing. And the same applies to other people. If you seek to be a blessing to those around you, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It lifts you up. You feel better when you reach out to minister to somebody else and to bless someone else. Maybe you're trying to overcome an addiction. If you reach out to somebody else who's struggling to help them, that'll help you. Don't go through life focused on yourself. But Paul says, but each one the other's well-being. He goes on in verse 5, and he says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Now, if you remember in biblical days and New Testament times, there was a big controversy in the church. Is it okay to eat meat that's been offered to an idol? And some Christians in the early church said there's nothing wrong with eating that meat. It's better than it going to waste. And then other Christians said, no, you shouldn't eat that meat that's been offered to an idol because it's been offered to a false god. But Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit right here, and he says, feel free to buy whatever meat is offered in the meat market. You don't have to ask questions whether it was meat that had been offered to an idol or not. You know, I think so many times we get caught up on issues that God's really not concerned about. You know, I think about meat that's offered to an idol. An idols is a false god anyway. That god doesn't even exist. There's only one true living God. And so he's saying, go into the meat market and and don't ask the question. If that bothers you to know that that meat was offered to an idol, don't even ask the question. Buy what meat is available. And so point number six, did you get that? Focus on others. Now point number seven, Paul continues in verse 27. He says, if any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question For conscience sake, we shouldn't go through life needlessly offending people around us. God's telling us right here, for example, if a lost person invites you to dinner and you go over to the house and you sit at the dinner table and they place food in front of you that you're not used to eating and maybe food that you don't believe is right for you to eat, he says instead of hurting their feelings, enjoy what's before you. So many times we're all guilty of not doing, not applying this biblical principle to our lives and we needlessly hurt the feelings of those around us on things that really are unimportant anyway. So don't needlessly offend others. Now, point number eight, do all for the glory of God. That's really our bullseye. You know, many times in counseling, I'll draw a target on the board and in the middle of that target, of course, would be the bullseye. And I ask the question, what is the one thing you want out of life more than anything else? And we've talked about this before in previous episodes, but most people are just living, chasing happiness. Well, I just want to be happy. Well, the Lord tells us right here in verse 31 through the Apostle Paul, what should be our bullseye. He says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And so my point number eight is do all for the glory of God. Live your life in a way that's so God focused, so Christ centered That everything you do, you're asking a question. Is what I'm about to do, is it going to bring honor and glory to God? If it's not, I shouldn't do it. Because my number one motivation and aim in life is to bring God glory and honor. So number eight, do all for God's glory. Number nine, don't cause anyone to stumble. Don't cause one single person to stumble. He goes on in verse 32 and he says, Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks, or to the church of God. He says, give no offense. Don't cause anybody to stumble. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I want to be a stepping stone. I don't want to do anything that's going to cause somebody else to falter, somebody else to fall into sin, someone else to get outside the will of God. I don't want to cause another person to stumble. Give no offense. I want to live my life in a way that seeks the good for those around me. Now I want to wrap up this passage of scripture and close this episode today. With this last verse, in fact, i begin in verse 32 in the verse I just read, but he says in verse 32, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Now, here's the last verse. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. See, Paul's motivation in life was he wanted to make sure he didn't needlessly offend those around him, the lost world around him. Because if you do, they're not going to listen to what you have to say. If you needlessly offend them and hurt their feelings, they're going to turn a deaf ear to you. They're not going to listen to what you have to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so when Paul says he tried to live his life to please all men and all things, he's not saying he's a people pleaser. In the context of the writing, Paul's actually saying, I'm going to live my life in a way where I don't needlessly hurt people around me. Because his ultimate goal was to bring honor and glory to God. And what is on the heart of God is that no one should perish but all should come to saving faith that all should come to jesus christ lord's not willing that any should die and go to hell he would love for everyone to come into salvation paul says he's living but for the profit of many that means seeking the good of those around him that the lost may be saved and that's my final point point number 10 seek the good of others so that they might be truly saved knowing jesus christ as lord and savior let's call those 10 truths From 1 Corinthians chapter 10, life's 10 truths about temptation. How we can understand it, how we can overcome it. Based on the example of our Lord in the wilderness, we can overcome temptation. We can be victorious. We can overcome. You're an overcomer. In fact, the Bible says you're not just a conqueror, but you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Again, find our Facebook page, Casting Down Idols, and you'll find those 10 listed there. I trust you're going to walk in victory this coming week and not try to walk in your own power, but look to God in faith and allow God to give you the power you need to be clean and to break free and to continue this new life that the Lord has already provided for you. Remember, this is episode number 10, so there will not be a new episode next week. Tune in the first Tuesday in June. We'll begin season number two. Lord bless you. Pray for one another this week. Stay faithful, stay focused, live your life with the bullseye 1 Corinthians 10:31. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Amen.